0: And the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good
1: Tuesday, Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, Sandoz and the sidekick. It was a good weekend for ETSU men's basketball. Big win over UNTG. We'll talk about that. Bold predictions how we did. That's, it, yes, that's more probably as, as it has been traditionally on our bold predictions. New Year's resolutions. Last year we tried to give each other New Year's resolutions. It stunk. We will try to do our own this year. Maybe we'll be a little better.
0: I like retooling in the new year. Last year, yeah, I remember a couple of them, and it just didn't go well. I don't. In think fairness,
1: I won one of them.
0: I don't, I don't know, know if you, you not win a New Year's resolution. <laughs> I Why is everything a competition for you? I'm just, I just, spoke I just no saying.
1: <laughs> you said that yeah. I can no longer pull for Tom Brady. No problem. No problem. I had not pull for him in the. Playoffs that year. There's uh, only I'm one guy in the playoffs years. this
0: year. I'm not, I'm not that has bowling. to do with the
1: Patriots. I'm not, Tom Brady. I'm not. I'm not. He's not my guy. He's not my. I did exactly I mean, what you told me did. to do. I knew exactly what you told me to do, and then you're going to punish me for living up to the, the one New Year's
0: resolution. Well, you wish you could have him back now. what you say? That. Nah, he's dead to me still. Until, really? You no, know, until we, after that horrific and, first 16 weeks. Until and, until
1: he retires again, then i love him That's <laughs> how it goes. All right, let's talk a little bit of. Uh, you want to <laughs> go bad news, good news? Uh, uh, if you haven't heard or just tuning in, uh, men's basketball uh, will not be playing Wednesday and will not be playing Saturday uh, due to, uh, I don't know how the wording, of COVID, I don't want to say complications, that sounds terrible, uh, just uh, pausing activities due to COVID, how's that? And it might be worded a little different on etsubuckes.com. If you have the official statement on it, you can go there and get that official statement. Long well, story sure short, there will be no men's basketball on Wednesday, Saturday, and it'll be next week, whether that's Wednesday or the next Saturday, but VMI coming off a big win was going to come in to Freedom Hall. Bucks were looking to move to 3-0 before they hit. I believe what was going to be the game of the no, it's Wofford. Uh, So a game at Wofford, 7 o'clock, which we'll talk about that. Stock up, stock down, and a new segment we'll kind of do around the Southern Conference. One of the uh, better starts to the league for the Wofford Terriers, and always a big game. You know, a couple years ago, I believe uh, head coach Steve Forbes was uh, ejected early. We've also seen big wins down there, so. Uh, always seems to be a huge game when you go play in the new Jerry Indoor Stadium. That being said, uh, just just bad news and just the times we're in. I mean, it's it's not shocking. Western Carolina's been shut down. Citadel's been shut down. The question is, how many more of these are going to happen? How many more of these can we get in? But the Bucks two and zero, and we'll see what the layoff will do before they come back on the court.
0: Yeah. So no VMI, no offer. We won't see the Bucks till next week and certainly hoping that everything is smooth from here on out because you do see one or two outbreaks and then now ETSU has the third and you start to backtrack and say you know where did it all start and you look forward and say where could it go and that is the problem with not scheduling Southern Conference I don't think a uh, not sure any league has done a great job scheduling a buffer zone where can you reschedule some of these games if they will be rescheduled how are you going to manipulate the schedule in order to accommodate what is a problem that has been prevalent over the first month and a half of basketball at the collegial level which has been prevalent since everything started back in march which will continue to be prevalent as i would think numbers continue to grow with the christmas break now over and students getting back to campuses uh Players getting back on the court. So I'm not thinking this is going to be it for the league just because of how things snowball, right? Like, it's very infectious. It's the most infectious pandemic in 100 years. We've all gotten the stats. We all know the storylines. We all can rehash everything that we've heard. But right now, the unfortunate part for ETSU, they're looking so good. They had the issue with David Sloan. I think that that was one of the big storylines of where they would go with him after those two games, and we can talk about that maybe a little bit more you know, as we go on through the show and over the next um, couple of weeks, but
1: you had him
0: for what I think could be termed as a disciplinary issue, a concern of Jason Shea with uh, David Sloan's interpersonal behavior, um, or on court behavior, a combination of both, and he's out for the Western Carolina game. I fully expected, I think you fully expected, we talked about it on the show, for that to be a struggle for ETSU, and it was for the first 15-16 minutes, and then Ty Brewer explodes. Something that we had been waiting on, that game to me was the blueprint for ETSU coming into the season, right? You had Tamari Monsanto, Ty Brewer, Ladarius Brewer. There's your big three there's how i picture things going in most box scores for etsu those three leading the box in scoring and you win 86 to 78 put up your most points of the year against a division one opponent and it's really not close i mean you look back through the first portion of the 2020-21 season 47 66 57 61 65 and 69 and then an 86 point outburst and then at uncg which is a game i know we'll talk more about here I was very impressed with the start to each half. It seems like the Bucs have really gotten a five that they like, a five that flows a decade. Sorrell Smith, Monsanto, Patterson, Ladarius, their first time on the floor together at the beginning of the Western Carolina game was rough. But as you and me know, it takes a little bit of time to get used to playing with each other and how those dynamics will work on the court. And then you turned a five-point deficit to a three-point lead against Western in half two with those five. And you had two great starts to halves against UNCG. That five right now, and of course, there's some time off now. Hopefully, the Bucs will be able to continue to gel when they get back. But that was the five that really made the difference for the Bucs in those two games.
1: I I think I um, totally agree with everything you said, especially with the lineup. I think that's the – everyone sort of mesh. Ladarius Brewer playing the point has its moments, right? I mean, it's obviously not his position. But I think Sorrell Smith has accepted. I, I think he could have had the worst attitude of anybody because he goes from Big Ten, I'm a starter, no, now you're benching me for this freshman, now I'm coming back in due to circumstance. And they've been able to really start the halves off. They didn't really practically start half one off well against Western. And you could just say maybe getting used to each other, whatever. But the next three halves, the second half Western, both halves of UNCG were lights out. I mean, just incredible what the team was able to do. I think the team's starting to figure out the hot hand. They did great at Western Carolina. This guy's a hot hand. Feed him the basketball. That being Ty Brewer, early in the game against U N C G, it was Ladarius Brewer. Give him the ball. A little later, it was Sorrell Smith. Give him the ball. Hey, feed the big guy inside. He's getting everybody in foul trouble and Silas a decade. So I, I think the starting lineup, the continuity, the different scores. It's looking a little bit more. and This is a poor man's last year's team, but it's looking a little bit more, they've shown they can have different guys score and win, and it seems like guys are starting to rally and accept that. There's not as much, to me, body language of point point envy and shot and B, and I've got to take my shot. Is there the occasional Damari Monsanto 27-second dribble and dribbled <laughs> off his foot out of bounds? Sure, sure there is. Is there the David Sloan stand half court, doesn't know what offense to get us in, or he's waving at somebody else to get in the right spot, and by the time you get in the right spot, we got five seconds on the shot clock and he has to force the shot? And that's not always on Sloan. It's because other people aren't in the right spot.
0: They're new on the court for the Bucks. they
1: figure it Absolutely. And they were
0: starting to figure it out. So and that's I, the frustrating part.
1: I think getting, and, and for an example, getting a good team concept is two of your biggest plays in the game against UNCG came from Truth Harris in the first half, sure. knocking down a three, and then Richard Amoffle saving a ball out of bounds to give the Bucks a second-chance effort, but then when he... When he fell out of bounds and threw it and kind of slid off the court, he quickly got up, ran back into the play, and got the offensive tap in. And those were two huge plays that in the scheme of things you're going, oh, man, you know, Harris only played three minutes, had three points. You know, Richard played seven, had two points. And But those were huge. Those were huge five points in the game. And when guys had the hot hand the last two games, they've been able to give it, and you're starting to see – Everyone starting to trust. I think Coach Shea said it in the pregame show at UNCG. If you go back and look at the huddles at Western Carolina in the second half, at how tight knit they were, meaning everyone was coming in to listen, even if they weren't on the floor, to know what's going on. As opposed to you go look at other games, and if you're not on the floor, out of sight, out of mind. And, and I don't, you know, without breaks nowadays, maybe it shouldn't be that tight knit. But they were coming together to understand what's going on. The other thing that I think gets lost in this two-game Southern Conference start is the offensive rebounds and second-chance points. In two games, ETSU 37 second-chance points, Western Carolina UNCG 16. And the Bucks only have 10 more offensive rebounds. Talking about number one being more efficient, but the second thing is because they've given up 17 rebounds and only 16 points as opposed to 27 offensive rebounds and 37 points, is if they have given up offensive rebounds, it hasn't ended the play. They've been able to at least um, sort of bend but don't break if they give up another second-chance opportunity. Points off turnovers. They kind of crept back up where UNCG got some steals there late, but the Bucks holding on to the basketball much better than they have, and I know there was a couple turnovers. There was like four straight possessions in the second half that were just, what's a nice word? I'm not going to use a nice word, atrocious. It was atrocious. I think Brewer dribbled it completely out of bounds, and he threw it away. Monsanto threw it away. I don't know what in the world Vonnie Bonnie Patterson, who he was throwing to that one. So everybody had, you know, a situation. There was a, a little bit of a lull in the end of the first half, a little bit of a lull in the second half. And speaking of David Sloan, I thought he had a huge basket too at the end of the first half because UNCG ties it with ten seconds, and instead of kind of sitting there, Sloan takes it, goes coast to coast and scores in about five seconds, and UNCG did get a three-quarter court heave that didn't go in. But instead of kind of sitting there and waiting for it to go, Sloan caught him napping, which I thought was a veteran move, and in about five, six seconds goes down the court and scores and gives ETSU a two-point lead as they led almost the whole game. And for UNCG and for Western, Western's got a lot of scoring. They just, for whatever reason, they just cannot stop anybody.
0: And I tried to think back. One good defensive possession that they had that really stood out, like going above and beyond, locking a guy down, or making a play at the rim, or a game-changing, momentum-changing defensive play, I couldn't think of
1: And the only one that came to mind in the first half, I think Halverson took two charges.
0: True. early on, it, yes. or, And that was it. That's all I got for you. I, and, again, I, I cannot
1: think of a huge play defensively that they made.
0: Cork may have had a block right at the rim or something that I'm seeming to remember, but it's kind of hazy. But we're having to reach, right? We're having to dig deep in our memory banks.
1: Yeah, I, I can name three or four UNCG uh, plays because, and again, they're known for defense. Yeah. You know, they had a couple blocks at the rim. They had a couple nice steals. They guys playing a passing lane. ETSU gifted some, but they were able to create some steals. And I think the the difference in the teams UNC from Western UNCG. Union CG can play defense and they can win tight games because of sort of their toughness. Western Carolina doesn't have that, but Western Carolina has proven they can fall out of bed and score 80 points. I mean, they can just flat out score the basketball. I think they're starting to get a little shot envy, though, because the body language for me for Western Carolina, I knew ETSU had him beat when you saw Mason Faulkner stop hustling. You saw his head down, you saw him complaining. He was four of 11. And honestly, he took more shots than anybody, so I don't know what he's mad about. Is he mad that Halverson was able to knock down five threes? Was he mad that Hightower was able to hit five shots? I don't know I what he's mad about.
0: What he might be mad about, he forced a lot of threes early on in the shot clock, catch and shoot, terrible, terrible shots. Why he was taking those, especially in the first half, not like you were down big and you had to force it. Western Carolina was flowing until he started taking those shots early in the shot clock, just momentum killing possessions. and – Maybe you're right. Maybe there's some of that where he feels he has to get his shots. Because remember, he took his name off a collegiate roster, entered the NBA draft, and basically just did it for feedback purposes, right? So he says, and they said, you got to do this, this, and this better. And now he's back. And when you go and get that taste, okay, here's what i got to do. Here's i got to go get mine. i got to make sure that I'm better at these things in order to get to my next step. And then you see some guys around you that can play, right? Xavier Cork has been great in the middle. You've got... Corey Hightower now mixed in that is going to be a really good player. Cameron Gibson's going to be coming back soon. Halverson needs his threes. So you start to look around and say, well, if I don't get mine now, when am I going to get it? So I think you're absolutely right because early especially, and I don't know why you're forcing shots early, but early especially he just wanted his shot, and he took him at the worst possible times.
1: I think because he's used to getting the foul line too, and he complained a lot about that, but he took nine of his 11 shots were threes. Yeah. He wasn't as aggressive. If you look at his assist and rebound numbers compared to they were last year, they're just not there. And since Corey Hightower has been inserted in, those numbers have gone down more because Corey Hightower is an outstanding scorer. Now he stuffed the stat sheet a little bit with the fourteen points, eight rebounds. Now you have six turnovers, but he was over three from three, maybe and I know they've been told he could shoot that, but he's five of six from two. I, mean, I don't know and, and he was he was tough to handle inside, so I'm not sure exactly why they didn't go to that more. I'm also a little shocked he didn't give Xavier Cork more touches down low because it was a little she bit like of, 70%. Well, and there was also a little bit of foul trouble uh, in that game early that I thought was going to cost ETSU that the, that Western Carolina didn't quite take advantage of. Halverson is what he is. He's he's going to sit out there and hit threes. And if he had a clean look, I mean, it was nothing but net. If you were able to move him a little bit, and I love that Coach Shade put Vonnie Patterson eventually on Halverson and he moved Vonnie Patterson eventually on Isaiah Miller, and it made Miller a little tougher. Miller still could get a step by him, but then the length of Vonnie sort of made up the difference.
0: And the one thing against Isaiah Miller, and I know,
1: again, I follow, uh, well, most of the fans that follow me, I try to follow back, and I know that they were going pretty hard at UNCG about Isaiah Miller and, you know, how we shut him down, and, you know, he had 25 points. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, he had a brook shot. I mean, he doubled. He, he he had two threes coming into the season. He had two against ETSU. He had a lot. Now, the Bucks made it tough on him late. The problem is he can't wear a cape. I'm mean, like, he has to have a running mate. And in fairness, most of college basketball has to have a running
0: mate. But also, to be fair to him, he doesn't have one, and he's still putting up 24-5-3. No, I mean, he, has the, he has the an awkward player. shot. It is an no, awkward-looking no, shot. But he's still going to score. I mean, look at his line from that game. 9-19, 2-3, 4-6. 24, 5, and 3. I mean, you can't ask for more. It's not Isaiah Miller's fault that this team is not going to put up points because it truly looks like they're going to struggle putting up points. It is everyone else. It is not Isaiah Miller.
1: I mean, if if you're looking at shooting numbers, I mean, if LaDarius Brewer took one more shot and hit one more shot, they would have taken and hit the same number of shots. So if you want to look at it from that aspect, um, Brewer can certainly score on all three levels consistently. Now, Miller – I'll give him two levels. I know he hit two threes against ETSU. I'm going to need to see more yeah, of agreed. that before I say he's a three-level guy. Well, I
0: don't think he wants to shoot the three this year. Like we said, the attempts are way, way No, down. and ETSU
1: completely ran away when he had the ball beyond the arc. So yeah. he had clean looks.
0: Beg him. Beg exactly. him to shoot the shot because that's what you need to do. And when he
1: hits the second one, you know what? You get on him, right? Sure. That's absolutely right. So I think he, I thought it was a little unfair because I think Miller in the second half had to put on a cape. Nobody else was helping him. That's been the problem this year. He doesn't have a, a Demetrius Troy, a Marvin Smith. You know, even last year with Galloway and Dickey and a few others, and even though Dickey wasn't a guy that would score 15 or 18, but he had 10 every game. You know, he consistent. He would have 8, 10. There were guys that were able to help him scoring, And this year, they're just not hitting the shots. Keyshawn Langley is unbelievably defensive and one of those guys where he's if he's on your team, you love him. When he's on your team, you, you kind of can't stand him just because of the style of defense he plays and he's all over. It. But he tries to create havoc. He tries to go, but he's not particularly a great scorer. Angelo Allegri, the Bucks know about him, so they try to get his hand in his face. You know, he's three of nine in that game. He had the breakout five for six three-point performance in Freedom Hall a few years ago. I think where it's really disappointing, just for UNCG, and I don't know, I mean, maybe we, you know, uh, maybe somebody tweets Zanetto and see what he wants to say about this. But the bigs, they don't get a lot – out of the bigs, and I don't know why. I mean, Abdul Salam, huge. You would think he would be able to score. The Rico Williams, he had his block dunked by Ladarius Brewer, which is insane. That was but he—he's a guy I think that could score more than four points. Abdul Salam should score more than four points. Koval wants to stand up there and shoot threes at seven-one. He's got over three hundred career block shots, but he doesn't want to get dirty inside. I think they're missing somebody that wants to play inside. And I think that's really the biggest difference of UNCG's team. They don't have quite the shooters they've had in the past, but they clearly don't have a number two score to help um, Isaiah Miller. And in, Now, I'm not saying a couple of those guys can't figure it out, because I think they can. I think Coach Miller is smart enough to know who who can do what, and if he can get some guys to knock down some open shots. But I've watched games before, and I said it before the game, the one thing about UNCG that scared me if I was in UNCG's shoes, is the same thing that scares me sometimes about ETSU, is that they miss a lot of open shots, and UNCG misses a lot of clean looks, and until those start going down, they're going to have to win a 62-58 defensive game.
0: A couple things I'm encouraged by. Firstly, obviously, on the glass for ETSU. I mean, UNCG hadn't been out-rebounded the entire year. They had broken even once. They had not been out-rebounded the entire year. Have they played the best competition since Little Rock and Winthrop? No, they haven't, but even in those games, they were plus 18 combined. They were minus 17 against CTSU. specifically encouraged by Ladarius Brewer and his renewed commitment to the offensive blast He had just three offensive rebounds going into that game against UNCG, and he had three on Saturday against them. Sorrell Smith, as you mentioned, 16 points on eight shots. That's the important part, the efficiency for him, because he has never been an efficient offensive player. Look back at the stats of Maryland. They're not pretty efficiency-wise. Eight shots to get 16 points, and... He didn't even play more than 16 minutes at Maryland last year. He only had four other double-digit scoring games in his career. If you can get that once every two or three games from him, huge, massive. And I was impressed with his post-game interview with you. It sounds like he's really bought into playing the role that he needs to play. talked about Coach Hire wanting him to be that shutdown defender on the ball and playing his role and doing what's best for the team. And he and both, Fladarius Brewer, um, said to you after that they think, that this is a team that's getting better and better and better every game they play. Not surprised, totally makes sense, and I completely agree. We've talked about it a lot on the show that that's what was going to happen with this team. The talent is there. Would they be able to gel in time? And it looks like they gelled at the perfect time right when conference play came around. So, big things there. Also, just impressed by this team shooting the basketball. I mean, I, I was, when David Sloan saw him shoot around the day of the Western Carolina game in street clothes, not going to play, right? The first question that came to my mind was, along with maybe one A being who's going to run the point, because Jason Shea has said doesn't want to put it in truth or Marcus his hands yet, who's going to run the point? Okay, is it going to be Ladarius? And then outside of that, who's going to shoot the basketball? Because consistently, the only one that had shot it at a very high click from outside, Ladarius Brewer, to an extent, but he's had the games too, where he's put up 11 threes, mid-two or three, right? David Slum was the only one shooting 45%. But... You look at the team now, and it is crazy how a couple of games can seem to change everyone's perception, right? But you look at the team overall shooting the basketball now, and without Sloan, you go 40% from beyond the in 10 threes against Western, and then 47% a season high against UNCG going 7-15, and now you're at three games this year where you've hit double-digit threes. It's starting to seem like this team can shoot the basketball as Demari Monsanto gets more comfortable um, because you look back at the Western Carolina game, and yes, it was only three players,
1: but they all were on
0: fire. I mean, at one point or another during the game, Ladarius, 3 of 6 from outside. Ty Brewer, 4 of 5. And then Damari had 3 as well. You look at the UNCG game, um, and it was a bit more uh, balanced of an effort from outside. Sorrell had 3. Ladarius had 2. A couple guys had 1. So I'm just very encouraged by the fact that this team is not missing as many open shots, that they are playing more together, and that, quite honestly, I think they had their best two days of the season against Western UNCG. No, I mean, I think as a
1: team, team goes. I think, yes, I think you started to see the things that you recognize playing team, playing sort of the for one another, the extra passes being made, understanding hot hand, just the way guys react when guys take a shot or make a mistake and the talk-through things, just to hear the way, you know, we didn't even really talk about Silas Sedeke and his two big defensive plays at the end of the game at Western Carolina and to get Ty Brewer to talk about championship winning plays. You know, we picked him up on the crowd mic saying it, and I talked to him after the game, and he goes, you know, because he's played NCAA tournament games, he's played in these things, and we know on the back end, I can trust if somebody gets by me, he's going to be there to make a play. Well, he took a charge and blocked a shot. You know, we didn't really talk about that. But guys saying those things, I think 100%, you know, that, that what that's sort of what tells me where their head's at and what they're doing and, and how they've made that. And – This is, and it's unfair to talk about Coach Forbes and Coach Shea. I can talk about the first team where they turned over about 10 guys in their first year and how it took a while for them getting to the conference championship game. There are some things, and it's nowhere near the same, but there are some things that have played out similar in that first year, and as the year went along, they figured it out. And so far, you're seeing as the year goes on, they're starting to figure it out. And I think that's about the fairest um, way I could say
0: that. Yeah, picked up a number of non-conference losses in the 2015-16 season, you know, at Tennessee Tech and at UNCA and games that I don't think a Steve Forbes-led and Jason Shea-assisted team would do the rest of Forbes' time here. And uh, even now for the team this year, you look at some of the non-conference losses, and I'll continue to say I don't really hate any of them. I mean – Abilene Christian, yes, you would have liked a better effort on day one. Abilene Christian's going to be a really good team. Austin P, another phenomenal organization, program, that's going to be very good this year. UAB was off for their best start in school of history. Alabama, like, you can't be mad at those. I'd say you look back at 2015-16 and there are worse losses on the schedule. Do you think that this COVID outbreak now is coming at the worst possible time? I, mean, I don't think it's a
1: very good time, so yes. I'm fair gonna, enough. You're no, starting, yes. You, you're you, starting
0: you, to roll. and
1: Everyone's starting to jump in and, yeah, and, and Again, I, I don't know, and it's hard to say with HIPAA when it will. I'm sure it'll come out who and what and when and how many and all that. But with all the contact tracing and stuff, and uh, Doctor Mills, the team doctor, sent a message about offering to, you know, if we need some talking points, whether it's a coach's show, um, whether it's.
0: It's our first doctor on in this well, if He's all been out before.
1: Uh, well, that's true. That's true. Well, we, and and we all, in fairness, we had, and I know he's not a doctor, but we did have Alan last year. Head of a lot of
0: doctors. That's <laughs> right. Right. Uh, kind of right. But, but,
1: but I went back and forth with him, and, and he you know, he had sent a lot of stuff on what he could talk about Why the quarantine, the positivities, the cardiac test, which I don't know if people have heard or not heard, but Wake Forest had two other guys that failed the cardiac portion and will have to miss three months. Oof. Um, the money, I can't even say right? yeah, yeah, there you go. So they've had a couple guys that did not pass that, and so a thin bench for Steve Forbes at Wake Forest will be that way, and it's, he's not alone. But, you know, once guys pass this, you know, I, I think my name Charlie Weber was a guy that had it a while back, but he had to wait an extra day or so until those results came back before he could step out on the floor, because obviously it's just a game, people. And most of those don't stay with people, but there is about a 90-day window. You need to let all that stuff work itself out. Some people are shorter. Some people are longer, right? The human body's different for everybody. So uh, having Dr. Mills, I think uh, it might be something interesting to have and, and us to pick his brain. And I thought it was great when we had Alan Levine on to give us a, a medical side, a non-sport side, and something that had really no dog in a fight. He, he doesn't care. Now, he's a huge Florida Gator fan. Obviously, he's been on broadcast with us. He loves ETSU and has done stuff. But certainly, he's thinking about the health and safety of all that. And Dr. Mills is the team doctor. You know, not just for each issue men's basketball, but the, the group he works for, Appalachian Orthopedics, certainly handle all of our sports and all of our athletes and they handle high school athletes and everything else around the area. So um, I think they even handle Milligan and some others. So it would be interesting to get that conversation. I think I'll take them up on the offer, and uh, we'll get that on. And then, you know, just have some chats about, you know, what that looks like. And certainly uh, most people have our Twitter handles. If they want questions asked or if they want to DM us a question or something, you know, I'll see if we can get that lined up, and I just think that'll, that'll be interesting. One last note. I think last year, UNCG was one of the most points they had scored in league action. It was about in, in conference play only, because I know they had a couple games, like against Averitt and some other teams, they scored like 109 or 112 or something stupid, like a lot of teams do. But they averaged about 76 points in the league play last year, and that was one of the most they had average, some of those other championship teams were right at 70, 72 points, but they were giving up like 59, 61 points a game. And last year they gave up right on cue, 63 points uh, per contest. In league action, they were actually giving up 68 points in non-conference games. So, again, I think that the bread and butter is going to be the low 60s defensively. It's if they can get a couple guys extra to score a little more. And I think the big difference um, in the two games with ETSU, they obviously had the a game that was 64-57 that was at UNCG. There were just two guys in double figures. One was James Dickey, and one was uh, Isaiah Miller. And then the one in the dome where the Bucs ran away with it, there was two guys in double figures. One was Keyshawn Langley, and one was Isaiah Miller. So they need an extra score. Miller needs it. They had no other guys in double figures. They've got to figure out who can help Isaiah Miller score because I think it's unfair to have him put on a cape and let it go. And also I think there's just only so much he can do offensively.
0: Sounds like you think their stock is down. Guess we'll find out next. Over the last
1: 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision. To deliver on our promise of great service you can count on. Embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge. New name. Renewed promise. Someone check to see if I still had a brain.
0: Breakdown. Five, five, four, four,
1: three, three, two, one. Two. The and the sidekick. we have ignition. Grab it on. Here we go. Boom. We've made a bumper that you're gonna use. Every day, aren't I mean? Do you just come in here and hit the bumper? <laughs> yeah, I do. No,
0: no, yeah. No, we're not, uh, that is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Sit here all night No, no that's so we just sit here doing nothing.
1: You're working on something totally different, or I gotta work on some new commercial breaks in a second. Uh, and well. then it's breakdown. What's
0: up? So kind of stock report. Stock <laughs> report. We better do this pretty much
1: everywhere. We need. We need. An, okay. Okay. I, I need. Uh, this is this is your homework for the next couple of oh, days. <laughs> As if okay. I need
0: more from you. Okay. Okay. All I
1: need is the. Um, sort of a stock watch, uh, money market uh, oh, t- yeah. ticker in the background. That's <laughs> nice. all I me. Okay. Yes. All right, go, no, no, go. go. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you give your first impressions. The idea behind this segment that I think has to be weekly, simply because the league is so wide open, is because of exactly that. There's going to be so many changes, and there's going to be ups and downs, and at least you and me think that the league is going to have a team win it with 12 or 13 minutes. And not because of COVID, not because games are going to get postponed or canceled or may not be made up, because if there's an 18-game season, we really think that it's going to be that wide open where it's going to be 12 or 13 wins winning the league. Six losses, if it's a 12-16, and would be the most to ever win the Southern Conference. So it could be a semi-historic year, and depending on how you view a league that has a bunch of teams, 10-8, and 11-7, 12-6, you're either saying this is a very parody-laden league or that the league is quote-unquote down. I hate when people say that. The league is down because there's not one dominant team. At the mid-major level, you can make that argument because then, okay, well, they're not going to have a team compete in the NCAA. It's not always true, but I think it's fair to say that if you have a 12-and-6 team at the top of your league as a mid-major, then you're probably not winning a first-round game. It may not be true, but I think, on the whole, that's what people would agree on. I think that it's important to have this simply, the, simply so we can break down the day-to-day happenings of the league to keep people updated on who may get to that 12-win mark.
1: I laugh because yeah. when you look across any... Just pick it. College football, basketball, NBA, NBA. But when a division or league is so together and everybody's beating each oh, other it's up. Down. it's either down or if you're a fan of that league. It's just a parody. It's just how good it is. Uh, it's it's, it's, SEC, West, it's SEC West. It's SEC West. SEC West. I just think it a, is parody, though. Like, right. If you have five so, or six
0: teams up in there, there's no easy win.
1: When you have a couple of teams the last several years, and if you look at the last, what, three conference winners, will would be you, you were really four if you go to the ETSU, 17, 18, then you go UNCG, then you go Wofford, then you go ETSU, and the last two were a little more dominant than the other two. All f- nobody's arguing all four of those teams are great teams, and we're upper echelon, and there were still a couple of teams nipping at the heels, right? So I, my take right now is that the upper, upper echelon, that one, two loss, maybe three loss team isn't there and that the the upper echelon isn't as up nationally ranked up as it has been or talk about at large up. That being said, the rest of the league is getting tired of getting their teeth kicked in by four teams, and I'll throw Furman in there with the three mentioned already, Wofford, ETSU, and UNCG, that the rest of the league has stepped up their game and has brought in different pieces and has done things differently, have made coaching changes and done other stuff, that the bottom of the league has clearly – taken a step up, and it's clearly better. So the upper echelon right now, I would say, is slightly down. Now, somebody, you know, there's three teams at 2-0, and and honestly, if UNCG figured out a couple guys to score, who's to say they don't go on a run and, and win a lot of games in a row? So right now I'm going to say the upper echelon is a slight tick below where it's been, and that's not a knock on them, but the rest of the league has taken a mighty step up, and I use that because if you look at the out-of-conference results, and, yes, I know you're going to say, well, maybe maybe Citadel didn't, you know, we, we broke down people's schedules. So we're not giving people a pass on some of the schedules. They crushed
0: people for their schedules. But right in on. the same
1: token, years past they weren't winning those games. They just weren't winning those games. And now teams are winning those games. And you looked at the net ranking at one time, and I haven't looked at it last little bit, but they were top ten conference. So all these ranking guru people and, and mathematical geniuses that are out there putting these things together – has said that even though there's not right now an upper echelon team, the league is still strong. And it's strong because all the teams that were really dragging the rest of the league down are holding their own against teams that are similar, and they're winning those.
0: People got spoiled by 2018-19. You are not going to get the league every year where it's Wofford undefeated, UNTG, and ETSU, all with 13-plus wins. That just doesn't happen. That was an unprecedented year in Southern Conference history, maybe mid-major history, to be that strong. And it was a great year for mid-majors in general. But to be that strong in your top four and then have the big drop off to 5, six, seven, you're not going to get that. Don't expect that every year. Are you going to get one dominant team, maybe a second strong team? Sure, that's going to happen. But the programs aren't going to be down the way Citadel, VMI, and Western Carolina. There's not going to be three, four, five, in, in that case, six teams. Chattanooga, Sanford, Mercer, Citadel, VMI, Western Carolina. And I'll remind you that no team won less than four games that year in the Southern Conference. You look at the bottom. It was 4-14, four and 14 Citadel, VMI, and Western Carolina. So those weren't necessarily easy wins. It just so happened those four teams at the top were better than maybe any other four teams in the same year in Southern Conference history, maybe in mid-major history. UNCG was the first team out. That year, of course, Wofford got in and won a tournament game. UNCG, first team out, number one seed in the NIT. And then Furman was, I believe, a was it two seed, three seed in the NIT. And then the Bucks, unfortunately, fourth team out of four, ended up going to Yeah, and Furman CIT won a game summer. in the NIT.
1: Uh, were, they, or, yeah, didn't Furman win a game, or did UNCG win when they lost to Syracuse? I don't
0: know. I don't pay attention that to the NIT, but it. it's exhausting that people think that, oh, that's the, you know, get back to that. Well, it's not going to happen. Now, let, let me just
1: say this, too, because, again, Last year, if you want to look at it, I think there were six teams that were above 500. I mean, think about that. So, if you want to look at it that way again, saying that there were six teams, and you
0: saw how the tournament unfolded, upsets everywhere. Yeah, and the seven, there were no and, easy wins. And the
1: seven seed was was a game under 500, was the team that actually got to the title game. So, getting BMI, getting Citadel, getting Samford, getting Chattanooga those teams picking up all those non-conference wins, and if they all can hold their own in some home games and some other things, and that, it's going to be an interesting league, and I didn't feel like last year, at least for ETSU's sake, there were certainly three teams I didn't think had a shot against ETSU, and that was Sanford, VMI and Citadel. And now, VMI, who was going to be the next opponent, did give ETSU fits, and now one of them, I realized, Bo Hodges had a, had a death, and down, whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. VMI gave ETSU all they wanted that year. The year before, right? It was the Bubba Parham block shot Mladen Armas three inside that. So VMI and we've known Citadel's beaten ETSU before, and then just all knew. I mean, I did, never feared Scotty Pageant, my good buddy Scotty Pageant. But uh, now that Bucky Ball's in there, they're doing all this, and I don't know if you've seen ETSU's ball handlers. I don't know how they feel about the press, but we'll see how they go. But there there is a little pause this year when you look at everybody. Um, at least in what they're doing. You can't really scoff too much at everything. So that's my initial thought on the league.
0: So all that to say from what my point was being about these last couple of years and 2018-19 obviously the dominant teams 2018-19, 2019-20, we're not going to have that this season so it would appear. So it's very important to keep tabs on each of the teams. Is their stock up? Is their stock down? You've given yours. I tend to think the big downturn in stock comes from Mercer right now. It's because of Tally Alvarez.
1: And I think that I think people have not paid attention to that. And looking on TV, they're frauds. I they just want to say they're frauds. Looking on they the TV, they don't look into Looking on the TV screen and seeing him in a boot finally, because I did not see him in the in the the ESPNU and, and maybe I didn't look hard enough. For, and honestly, I just watched the second half of that contest. So, but seeing him in a boot, that it, that it's a little bit more of an injury related, which means he could be out longer. They've clearly struggled without him. Although
0: here's, I think their sacks down, but I don't think it's as down as. Okay. Can say. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, what I was going to say was, the loss at home, I think, was the first game without Alvarez. Correct. I think when you go up against Storm Murphy, and it was a situation where they came all the way back, cut it to four, and Murphy came down and made back-to-back plays, and Mercer did not have an answer for it. And I, I'm drawing a blank on the play-by-play guy for uh, ESPNU that day. Was it was Mike Morgan, maybe. Anyway. Um, he made a great point. He was like, you know, this is where they're really missing Alvarez. And I thought, you know, sometimes stuff like that slips through the cracks of broadcast. Even even myself doing games sometimes, you forget a guy isn't out there. You, don't, you just don't think about a simple thing like that. But the truth was, that guy had been out there doing everything all year long. All of a sudden, he's not there. And they really needed a, a guy because Alvarez was a guy that set out last year, but he was averaging 14 points at Fairfield you know, for a couple of years. So similar to Darius spruber he was producing at a, at a high level, 14 points, 4.5 assists in a couple of years. So he certainly knew how to handle a basketball team, and I think they clearly missed that on the floor. At Wofford, they had semi-bounce back at Furman.
0: Correct? That's right. So Wofford, you put up 65, right, your lowest point output of the year by far, and you're missing your floor general, right, your point guard. And so it's natural that you, even at home, are going to struggle in that game as you're trying to adjust and figure out who's going to play what role. Looks like Gary's going to be the point guard. They've slid Kamar Robertson into the starting lineup. He's all-freshman. He was all-freshman team last year. Seven points, three, four assists, I think it was, or three, four rebounds, whatever it was, per game. If he's taking the strides that an all-freshman performer takes from year one to year two and can give you quality minutes in that starting lineup while you have Leon Ayers off the bench, they're going to be fine. And you started to see that against Furman. First half wasn't great. And keep in mind, that's on the road against a league favorite first half wasn't great, but then you come back and score 46 in the second half, and you end up getting, you know, 22 from Cummings. You're going to have that. Magic Bender, 14 and 8. Uh, Haas, I mean, stuff the statue, 11, 7, and 6. And then James Glesson off the bench had 13. Gary's going to be that point guard. Now that they know that, now that he's starting to work in that role with that, I don't think that the loss of Alvarez, however long it may be, I see a boot, I tend to think, you know, two to four, maybe six weeks tops. It, High ankle sprain could be, as you and be talking about off here, could be an Achilles strain, could be something with a foot. If it, Now, if it is a broken foot and you're starting to look at 6, 8, maybe 10 weeks, then you're in a trouble area. I'm completely speculating. Don't have the information on what the injury is. But at least we know now it is an injury. I think that Mercer is in trouble, if it's long-term, if it's short-term, I have faith in Robertson. I don't think that their season by any means is completely thrown in the trash bin just because of two early losses. And, and here, again,
1: if I just look at pure numbers and nothing else, and, and sometimes competition, I'm sure, plays into it, they've they've scored over 77 points in every game except for Wofford. So the first game, Alvarez, first game I, Alvarez. Think, I think there certainly is something to say Alvarez had a big key in that, so I don't think Mercer is as down as most people. I think they're just... I don't know, is there an even? Staying even? Flat? I'm going to put them on a flat line. Not curve. flat lining, but right. it's a
0: flat line to right. indicate that they're still there. Okay, let's go to Chattanooga because okay. I instantly thought that their stock was exploding through the roof and they got Jean Baptiste back, and he's certainly been good in the two games since he's been back. I think he had, like, what, 18 or 20 in that first game. then had, like, 29 against the MI. They lost both those games. I also tend to think that Casey Hankton, who had a big first game with Jean Baptiste back, um... And then you look at his uh, last game, and he did not play. Hankton did not play for Chattanooga, so that was an unexpected loss for them. If Hankton is out, Gene Baptiste being back, I do wonder chemistry-wise what Gene Baptiste has done going from you know, on the roster, then put his name in the portal, then coming back. It, it seems like there's just something missing there. And granted, those were a couple of tight losses. I'm kind of with Chattanooga where I am on Mercer right now. Yes, really not good. Obviously, having the two losses to start the year, especially one of them being at VMI, I looked at that three-and-a-half-point line. I think that was my favorite by three-and-a-half, and I scoffed at it. I said Chattanooga's going to blow them out by 10 or 15. You talk, tried to talk me off the ledge about two weeks ago on VMI being better than they have been in the past and being pesky and winning a couple more games. Nailed that. I, I didn't listen. Uh, obviously, I have been, at least so far, in the wrong. But four-point loss, five-point loss, no reason to panic necessarily. And I'm not going to write off VMI at all anymore, so I'm not going to say that if ETSU would have played VMI coming into Freedom Hall this Wednesday, that it would have been a guaranteed victory. But I certainly think there's cause for concern because I think Gene Baptiste is playing God with the momentum for this team.
1: I think first time in I don't know thirty one years give or take I've said something positive about Chattanooga, and they've uh, they've gone down. So I'm going to continue to talk how great they are, and uh, they're the greatest team I've ever seen of all time, and will continue to be the greatest team of all time. Little reverse psychology. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it's worked for me the first time. Uh, now I'll, you know the other thing is I, they were at, it was weird. They really aren't that deep, even though they have a lot of guys scoring and they were really rotating about eight guys in. Baptiste went out, and it was like seven, and then maybe a couple others for a minute or two sparingly. He came back, and I thought part of the reason why I was big, not just because he's a talented scorer and a veteran and really plays the game very hard and, and doesn't, you know, he doesn't do a lot of things that would turn you against him for other fan bases. You know, we've all seen players on another team that's good, and they just do things, and you're like, oh, I just can't stand that guy. There's really not anything Baptiste does where you're like, God, I just I can't stand watching that guy play. So I, I thought because he plays a certain way, he would be inserted back in, and it added that one more piece of depth that I thought could hurt them as they went along, but for whatever reason, it hasn't all gelled. Now, I've watched the Furman contest, and honestly, if that was just a good back-and-forth game. I've not watched VMI, but just paying attention again to the ETSU fans that have mocked the Chattanooga fans, which I'm fine with. And them just talking about how bad the game was, and I, I'm curious to see, is it because they lost to VMI it was a bad game, or was it a situation? Now VMI did have some gaudy numbers from uh, Parham, uh, Greg Parham, and from uh, Jake Stevens. I think they each threw 25 on the board. So 25. and Stevens shot a lot of threes that went in, and
0: he looks like an impressive player. I was excited to see him on set. Well,
1: and it's funny because he's not really particularly had great games. He's always been in foul trouble, I feel like, against ETSU, um, unless I'm just forgetting the game. I know both last year he had a hard time getting off the bench because of foul trouble. So I don't remember the year before that. I think he's just a junior. So I, I do know that they hit a lot of shots, had a lot of guys combined for some points, and I think VMI's a tougher out than most people think, and I think that's what – it's funny. Chattanooga has been down – but they could still thumb their nose at VMI and Citadel and all that. And then when you lose to a team that's also coming up, you know, it's hard it's hard to come to grips with. But I think VMI is gonna win their fair share of games this year. I still think they win more than Sanford. I think they win more than the Citadel, assuming, you know, we get kinda equal number of games to to judge people on. But the the Jean Baptiste coming back at two losses is a head scratcher.
0: Keep an eye on Hankton being available or not because he was really providing. That's the St. Louis transfer. Keep an eye on him because he was providing some positive things. I think having Gene Baptiste back, it's just wreaking havoc on, again, the chemistry, right? What we talked about with ETSU, they found a five that they like. Now, Gene Baptiste did come off the bench in both of those games, right? He came off the bench in that first game back, uh, and now he comes off the bench against a VMI and puts up 29 points in 28 minutes. I mean, it was an impressive contest from him, but... Just not gelling right now, and so well, I do wonder.
1: I, I got one more for you, too. In, in those two games, Malachi Smith, who is shooting about 42% for the season, went 9 for 27 in both those games, and that seems a little unusual to see some of the numbers that he has put up. Now, double you know,
0: double, I mean, 17 and 10 against VMI. You think that if you get 46 combined from Smith and Gene Baptiste, you had no, 19 from Kennedy. Right, and, and, and again,
1: uh, he is a little bit of everything because he had nine rebounds in that game, you know. He was uh, – he missed a couple – he needed a bucket for a double-double against Furman. had just eight points on three of 12 shooting, but he still had ten rebounds. And I think he had three and two assists in each game respectively. So, I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything. But I think, again, in those, in those conference games, it, it's amazing. You just need a couple of shots to get on here or there. You know, I think um, last year a the year before, I think we were keeping up with the, the average win margin in the leagues, and it was quite incredible. In basketball, how it was it was like 4.3 for the entire league, and so yes, there's blowouts in there that, that swing some stuff here or there, but it was incredible how many la- I think the league keeps up with that the la- the number of games that come down to a right. last possession or six points or less or something like that, and so the last couple of years have been insane, and, and you can see it because Chattanooga is just they thought they were getting ready to get over the hump, they're a couple points away from Furman. Then you turn their attention to VMI, and again, a couple free throws late. It's a five-point game, and right there, you know, is it as simple as VMI misses one more three? Maybe Malachi Smith hits one more three. I know I'm simplifying that, but Chattanooga right now 0-2.
0: Looking at Western Carolina, was very confused by their effort against CTSU. haven't had a chance to see them since. As long as Mason Faulkner doesn't go and try and play hero ball and take a lot of threes early in the shot clock, as we talked about um, specifically when the offense is rolling and He just kind of inserts himself into that outside the system I still think that they're going to be alright Specifically when Cameron Gibson comes back I think I said this on broadcast on ESPN Plus But they're expecting him back within the next week or two He was spotted at warm-ups And so you and me were talking that we might have thought that that might be the night He was one. in uniform you know, Mark Prosser said that uh, on the phone to me about four hours before the game That it could be any day, not up to him Got to listen to the doctors But then we see him in warm-ups and we say Could this be the day? It wasn't the day, now they've got the long layoff If he is back again chemistry something you worry about because there's just so many moving parts around the league right now for different rosters but that's just going to give them another scoring option I think I like their stock with Hightower and Gibson coming back then you lose TTSU and the instinct is to press the panic button I don't want to do that too soon because it is just one game and I've got a lot of time, too, if they can get Gibson back on the court and get him practicing, and it certainly seems like he's able to practice and maybe get in some reps with units that they want to work him with, then they'll be all right. And then Wofford's my last one. I really think that the return of Ryan Larson is underrated. I know that you are a huge or horribly small Ryan Larson fan (laughs) out of my uh, favorite private... High school in Minneapolis, Creighton Durham Hall, uh, but he's a glue guy, uh, he's come back after missing some time, has appeared in five games, played as a starter in three, and high percentage shooter, You know he's shooting it well from outside, he's going to go and get your rebounds, he's going to you know run the point for you some, and dish out some assists, and take the ball away, he's a hustler, so having him back is big, and Max Klesman appears not to be a flash in the pan, I know he's not going to put up double digits every game, but he's giving Offered some nice minutes off the bench after coming, you know, from Nina, Wisconsin, Nina High School up in Wisconsin. Um, Three appearances, just making his debut lately, and after that double-figure performance against Texas A&M, not putting up double figures against Mercer or Stanford, but if he can give you seven to nine points a game like he has in the other two games, that's a big addition.
1: Is is that uh, Nina, Wisconsin, next to the lovely shores of Lake Winnebago? I believe it is. I am, I am, Sam Opens from there, former ETSU point guard. Sammy O, Nina High School. Uh, one time Don Hellman told me to say that uh, Nina, Wisconsin's on the lovely shores of Lake Winnebago, and then I said it on air, and then his whole family sent me a message about, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been there, but that, that's not mess. Nice. Okay,
0: i will just check it. So I think Wofford's strong. Right. I think they're the only yes. team that I'm super high on right now as opposed to, you know, Furman, obviously 2-0, ETSU, uh, very high on them, unfortunately, have to take. Uh, stoppage now and then you look at Chattanooga, Western Carolina, a little bit disappointed not the end of the world, Mercer cause for concern.
1: The one thing I know. was going to say about Wofford too, I, I've been impressed a little bit with their inside play, I know they had you know, the graduation transfers out especially the last couple of years because you go all the way back to Kiva Lume who still would be there now if he didn't go to Virginia Tech and some others, but you know, the transfer BJ Max been good inside Mas- uh, Messiah Jones we know can be good Godwin has come in and played well and the, the time he's been able to do there so the guard play we knew would be there and certainly Sir Moore, uh, Murphy was going to be able to score it's amazing to me that Hollowell Trey Hollowell's been able to put up his number of points but you know he's never gotten that many shots you know when you play sort of behind Fletcher McGee and Nathan Hoover for several years at the wing position it's going to be tough to get shots in now he's getting shots in and shots up so they're playing typical Wofford basketball you know 75 80 points per contest and giving up mid-60s on the defensive end and doing it nicely. And I know things will be ballooned any time we play Sanford. I don't believe Wofford's going to be a 94-point team. I also don't think they're going to give up 84 every single game. Right. So, that being said, I, I think Wofford's the surprise – not the surprise, but it's a nice start for them. They got a win they should have at home. I didn't really know. I thought Mercer was a little bit of a toss-up. And the last thing I'll say about Furman is Furman's off to what Furman is. My problem is they still are playing five guys in, in two conference games. Four shots have come outside the starting five in two conference games. That's always going to be their problem. They're going to get in foul trouble. Things are going to go. They can't win three games in Asheville. One day they'll do it, and some of their fans will finally send me a message telling tell me to shut up, and that's fine. Then, they, they, in, Until they get more than five people at any one time during the season that it can help them, I think it's going to be impossible. But they'll be good enough to, to win you know, 12 games. Be right up there with the rest of the league. All right, what do we got? Bold prediction recap.
0: New Year's, resolutions. New Year's resolutions. What are you doing? I'm trying to skim over them now. You've already lost your New Year's resolutions. We're only four days in. Four days, and you want to skip over them already? How are you going to do this for three hundred sixty-five days?
1: San Jose in Bucking source Network.
0: Somewhere out there, math teachers' school loans were forgiven, allowing her to focus on paying it forward, not back.
1: Somewhere out there, a parent is breathing easier, knowing their child's college education will cost a
0: little less. But Somewhere out there, a hope scholarship just helped a student open the door to a brighter future.
1: And they all have plans like you to thank for the five and a half billion dollars raised
0: for education because every time someone plays the tennessee lottery education wins the tennessee education lottery game-changing life-changing funds
1: And a sidekick back with you on this Tuesday, and time to go over what is apparently Mike's favorite thing of all time New Year's resolutions.
0: I love the ceremony of it. Every year we get to December 31st, and you reflect, you look back, and you look ahead with great optimism. Hopefully, no pessimism, though knowing you, there's probably plenty of it. And lots of bright and beautiful days ahead, right? I mean, no pessimism, all optimism. Looking forward to all the great things that 2021 holds for me. I am not going to mask how I feel, Jay Sandos. <laughs> how is this any different? How is this any different? For instance, mm-hmm. Tom Herman just mm-hmm. got 15 million dollars to go away in Texas after mm-hmm. going 32 and 18 in four seasons, and two of those seasons they were in the top 25 at the end of the year. 15 million. I think I can say this because it's public record. Is more than our entire athletic department's budget over the entire year. It is entire,
1: record, and yes, it is.
0: It was not the 2000s, Texas, when your program had Mac Brown, Vince Young, Roy Williams. It's 2021, and you had three straight losing seasons before Herman took over. What are you doing, Texas? The Longhorns are on my... Well, I can't really say that. They're on my list, list of on the something. List. They're on the list. You've They're made on the Chris the list. Jericho, the list. You are now on the list, Texas. I am not going to mask how I feel more than ever in 2021 I'm telling it how it is Tom Herman You are the victim Texas You are the idiot Have any Texas fans listen to the show?
1: Who knows Probably Somebody Somebody down the road
0: yep.
1: I was I was gonna text better That's my goal Really? I'm gonna text better
0: Do I have to scroll back And read no. some of them? I usually save them for J-No's English language But we have not I
1: mean TV it's just yet. January it's a growing process.
0: Ah, okay. So you said, I guess you said you've already started it. It's a growing um, process. see. So you've texted me. Yeah, I've already, uh, there's, there's one in there I already one know. time. There is one wait, time wait, I already know. Wait a second. Uh, you spelled chat with one T. That's kind of disrespectful, but they're chat, so I don't know. Eh, uh, nice. Let's see. Not uh, yeah, so there's, I have no idea what this one is. Yeah. That's uh, the one I think I was negative. Yeah. <laughs> the last one's hilarious. Uh, okay, so yes. Um, clearly, I'm going you are back. off to a rough start. Go to text but back. But if you can go from like 50% English being right in text to like 70%, that's progress. Mm-hmm. You started the bar very low, so I think that you're probably okay. a good chance. I'm going to quarantine myself from the negative influences in my sports world. For instance, top ten I could not stand watching play their sports in 2020. Are you ready? I'm interested to hear your top ten because local scene with the SoCon and everything, like, when it comes to players and knowing their tendencies and not liking watching them play, I'm just going straight, pretty much professional level. Uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Ezekiel Elliott, I think you get that one. Carson Wentz, though maybe Philadelphia's already taken care of that with Jalen Hurts and now apparently Nate Sudfeld, I don't know what that was on Sunday night, trying to Nate Sudfeld a chance in a close fourth quarter game. You know, Jalen Hurts probably the quarterback of the future. Are you going to let Nate Sudfeld compete for that job next year? Matt didn't get that a whole lot. Matt Ryan, uh, everybody that takes a three when they shouldn't be shooting a three. So it's not one particular person, but it's the action. Uh, Adam Gase, RIP, and Brian Flores, who clearly have no idea how to develop or manage quarterbacks. And I could say, could throw Ron Rivera in there and really rain on the parade of the Washington Redskins being in the playoffs because the whole Dwayne Haskins starts the season thing and then – You bring in,
1: who was it, Case Keenum? Who was the backup
0: before it was Alex Smith? Dwight Haskins? Oh, listening better would be a good thing. No, 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 no,
1: the the, guy was a Carolina
0: not Kyle me. Allen. Kyle Allen. There it is. So, Kyle Allen. Allen. you bring in Kyle Allen. You a know, Dwayne. Hey, I'm going to listen better in 2021. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so, Kyle Allen. You bring him maybe the Haskins was doing well, and then Haskins all of a sudden on the team. Alex Smith, though, kind of saved it there. Um, and then Philadelphia, obviously. So, I could throw Doug Peterson in the mix, too. Um, the NCAA. Just because, you know, nobody passes the buck better. Uh, Wes Miller. You know, Wesley. And Cam Newton. I would give you a list of ten people I've liked, but you know, not asking how I feel this year.
1: I can't tell what I should go with. More should I go with? Because there's, there's two. Th- I'm saving a, a personal one for my third.
0: Okay.
1: So I well, already did
0: a personal one in the first one. I think uh, that's okay. Uh,
1: I don't know if I should go with. I had a list because my buddies were crushing me, as they do every year, and then somebody took the time to send me the seven guys that you know I'm going to draft in the baseball fantasy draft, no matter what, and then the expletives I send at somebody if they take one of the seven guys that are supposed to be mine because I believe, even though it's not a keeper league, and I draft them later in the draft that nobody should be allowed to have them. So I don't know if I should step away and then ban myself from drafting those guys because I for years, I only played in one league, and the last couple of years, I've played in an office league. And I've noticed that I have the same guys, and those. but in the baseball sp- specifically, I always have the go-to guys. Just random example, like Yadier Molina has been on my team like 12 or 13 years. He's always like the 14th round catcher that I always take, and somebody took him last year. And uh, in the group, I've been in with whatever, six or seven ministers, preachers, depending on what religion they're in and I horse-cussed one of them out of control because he's supposed to know that Yadim really is my guy. So I don't know if I should go that route or if I should NCAA, sort of your thought process, not rail on brackets, not rail on college football playoff and the stupidity that is known as a college football playoff and stupidity of all major college football. And I've railed on that so much to so many people over the last probably month, and I do every year, that in the brackets. Should I just take NCAA off and just whatever they do and just, you know, think you may have another and move on? I don't know which one I should go with, fantasy baseball or the NCAA. I'm
0: taking this seriously. Fantasy baseball. Okay. There we go. I'm okay. going to fantasy baseball. Uh, my last one, this is either going to be the worst 30 seconds of show's history or the best 30 seconds. I'm going to inject some positivity into our show. There's entirely too much of me reputing on you. I'll admit it. For quite some time, entirely too much me ripping on you. I think we need to come together because, as ETSU slogan says, we are stronger together. So I'm making a resolution to trim the fat with weight jokes, Jay Sandos. I will not indulge myself at every Jay Sandos joke buffet. Instead, I will let us enjoy each other's company and only subliminally drop in mints. I thought you I were mean, taking. I, hands, th- I, th- I thought
1: you were taking this years
0: of uh, things you should enjoy while on the couch potato and things you should parsnip in the butt before they get out of control. your yeah. best, three seconds. All
1: right, uh, yeah. you're fired. Does that <laughs> answer that? Um, my last one, you're going to like this. My daughter asked for Christmas from my uh, in-laws for a pull-up bar. But instead of a pull-up bar that you could, like, put on a door or something, you know, it would be like 80 bucks, like normal human beings would buy. They bought a full, freestanding thing that you would see at an industrial gym membership that has a like little... Like the combo of dips with yeah, Oh, the yeah. The dips. Then you have the pull-ups. You can do the arm thing and do the crunches. Oh, wow. and I, so me and my wife, uh, she challenged me, and so I've accepted. And I have already charted some ten thousand crunches. This get year. out! I'm a hundred in. Here, and, 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 and here's
0: Hundred? How are you going to get to ten thousand? Here,
1: here's here's how here's how the math works. Okay, I'm going to do four. Sets of fifty a week for fifty-two weeks, and that would be over ten thousand.
0: Oh wow! What?
1: But that's assuming I do that the whole time.
0: Of course, that's a fifty a week.
1: And I figure a couple weeks vacation, I won't be there, right? Or at least one week. One week of vacation that I do every year, and then I go on a golf trip. So take those two weeks out. So fifty, I, so 50 okay. weeks. So that's what I'm saying. If I can, if I can do two hundred sit-ups a week for fifty weeks, get to ten thousand crunches this year. And I was going to do dips and some other things, and I'm, I'm doing some of that. But I figure, uh, because again, the worst, the worst part uh, of my body is the gutural region, as I call it, that uh, I believe that should, uh, should focus on. So, ten thousand crunches. I'm hundred in four days. In. <laughs> I
0: don't know if you're going to make it.
1: There's no way. It's the worst. It's a, if how
0: if, sore are your abs right now? Uh, <laughs> not, not good. Not good. Let, let me tell you. Uh, I was
1: actually sitting in the bed, and I went to just kind of without using my hands, I was just trying to sit up to pull my shirt off late at night to go to sleep, and I had trouble getting up, and my wife laughed hysterically. <laughs> so, this is as much entertainment for her as it is for me.
0: Uh, do you remember the band D12? They were popular when you were still yep. sitting around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bigger guy in the group, if you remember from, I think the song was My Band, the kind of jokey one, um, his line, I think, was something like, um, went to 50 to tell me how to get buff, or... 50 told me to do sit ups to get buff, did two and a half and couldn't get up. And that's the Jay Sit-ups theme song all year long, baby. All year long. Oh, if you do 10,000, I'm going to be impressed. Just for the stick to it, this. That will be impressed.
1: It's not going to matter. Bowl I'm pro- not going to do that. Bowl predictions. I'm going to try. Let's get at it. The
0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers have reportedly agreed to terms with free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown. I like him now. You know, Clay Thompson
1: is out for the season again. This time it's a torn Achilles. after
0: have 362 on the board. Then. Houston loses 27-17 to an New run. deal. Our oh, ball, the contract, the contract extension. extension. This is a lifeless organization. Woo. They got a coach, though. Wake Forest basketball guys' name head coach Steve Forbes from East Tennessee State. And this move really makes sense on a number of levels. Try to see him up and about again
1: the, uh, the Georgia Tech canceled canceled all all right on
0: Thursday with
1: the hope those athletic teams can resume in the spring the SoCon season is done done done,
0: done. done. six weeks till the opener baby. there we go baby 2021 Jay told me the turkey wasn't enough on Thanksgiving. 10,000. Like two 10,000 crunches. Just disgusting. Just disgusting.
1: I'm hurting right now. <laughs> It's insane. Full if crunches. you could I, I, I
0: kid you, not. at some point in time,
1: I may have my wife on the show before the season to talk about just me trying to lean up in the bed oh, without boy, using any hands or anything, and I couldn't do it because the core was hurting so bad. I need
0: to hear the process. 10,000 crunches. I need the behind the scenes of just how much you're struggling. I'm already hurting. Um, you're you know up what else I'm hurting three. on? My predictions. <laughs> yeah, same here. You're up 3-2 to two entering these predictions. You did not get your LeBron James triple-double, unfortunately for you. Unfortunately for us and the box, they did not get eight or more field goals from Elise Stafford. She had eight entering the day, though. It did start to look better. Had a couple of shots. Hit her first two, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, starting, to, uh, starting to look better. I thought when she hit those first couple, I, I, she was well on the way to eight. But conference play is here. She was best in conference play last year. So, with that momentum-building game, could be more on the way. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not your last least, Stafford, prediction of this coming year as we've got seven I'm a believer of conference play. I said women's basketball would shoot 50 or better percent from the field against Newberry. They got the win, did not quite do that. Again, I was feeling pretty good after that big second quarter that they had. I think they shot it at like 71% or something in the second quarter. It was absurd. I also said that no Southern Conference men's basketball team would be undefeated, or I should say have two wins at this point, once we were doing bowl predictions again, uh, we have three. Three that have two wins, including ATSU, so that's good. I'll take that. There's no, no question about that. Uh, but Furman and Wofford, you can see where my head was at, right? So I thought that Mercer was going to beat Furman. That didn't happen. Came close. I thought that Wofford was going to lose to Mercer. Oh, wait, no. I would have had to. No, no. You, no, need, that you, you needed
1: Mercer to win the home game and then lose the road game. Right. Wofford to Oh, and further lose. lose to Chattanooga. Right. That was yeah. close.
0: So, at ETSU, I figured no, it was good. The I mean, Carolina and lose UNCG. Thankfully, they didn't lose UNCG. Yeah. I thought, it was, I thought the logic was there, and maybe it was. But Okay, we also had a head-to-head bull prediction that looked at the wild cards of both the AFC and the NFC. You said that Tampa Bay, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Chicago Bears were making it to the NFC. Who? Why in the world you ruined it by saying Pittsburgh would be a wild card team Instead of Cleveland being a wild-card team, I think you thought Cleveland was going to win it because you also had Baltimore as a wild-card team. You also had the Colts. So you did get five of six, but so did I. I had Arizona over the Bears, but I did get well, the well, AFC Cleveland. the Colts, Did we do Baltimore. The, the
1: ranking? Did we get them in a rank order?
0: Oh, We did not do the ranking, I don't think.
1: Oh, okay. I think we just kind of did it. So neither I'm us just trying that. to find a win. Fittingly, neither of us win no, that, okay. and you. neither of us win anything.
0: We are bold prediction winless on this. 2021 season. You still have three correct. On uh, the totality of season three of Sanderson's Sidekick, I have two. We will try better the next time. As they say on the Interruptions, that's still show? Yes. They've been doing that for like 20 years. Yes. you got to love Cornheiser and Wolbon for still
1: doing it. I like both of them. Right. I would like to stay for the record when we come back on air, i would have uh, 150 crunches done in the year. Just throwing it out there. The crunch if counter. You, if you can watch in counter. the studio
0: after 150 crunches. That's I mean, not at the same time.
1: Let's don't get that. Out of here. So, yeah, do you
0: do like little sets of 10 throughout the day? or like?
1: I did 20. What was that? 20, then 15, 10, 10, 10 and five, five.
0: One. <laughs> I just try to make sure that your leg's like, still working. That shouldn't well, be a problem when you're doing In fairness, your... the
1: last five, my wife is counting to make sure they count. So, I'm not even getting cheap ones yeah, Alright, stand up, sidekick. Back with you later in the week. Fight News, network. Cowboy, up go play ball.